Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's January 27, 1924. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. He wanted to be buried next to his mother in St. Petersburg's Volkovo Cemetery, but instead the corpse of the father of the revolution, Vladimir Lenin, founder of the Soviet Union, was placed on display in Moscow's Red Square, today in history in 1924, where, astonishingly, he remains. And if my body looks that shiny a century after my death, I will be delighted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Lenin had died six days previously at the age of 53. He'd been in bad health for years. He'd had three strokes. In fact, the previous year, the Soviet government had privately discussed plans for his embalming. So this had been in the works for a while. The body was initially brought to the Hall of Columns in the House of the Unions, which is this grand house in Moscow that was once a ballroom for the aristocracy, like quite fittingly. But straight away, they knew that they wanted something specifically dedicated to Lenin to display the body. So the following night, they called the architect Alexei Shushev to the Kremlin and he was given four days to design and create a purpose-built structure to host Lenin's body in Red Square. Yeah, I mean, that is the astonishing thing that they get up at least a wooden version of the mausoleum in six days. I mean, they knew this was coming. He had had those strokes, as you mentioned, Rebecca. And, you know, so much of the project of the USSR had come to be focused on Lenin that in spite of the fact that so much of communism was very anti-religion and, you know, divine ideology, they really focused this sense of divinity on Lenin. Yeah, he wasn't um, embalmed at this stage because it was winter. It was January in Moscow, so the cold preserved his body initially. But so many hundreds of thousands of Soviet public came to pay their respects to Lenin that they realised that, uh, you know, they need a, a permanent... Um, I mean, I don't think even even Stalin would have guessed <laughs> that he'd still be there in 2023. But anyway, <laughs> a semi-permanent exhibition of Lenin's body. And so they had to create embalming techniques mm. that had never been done before. Yeah, hilariously, the name of the group that was given the task of embalming him was the Commission for the Immortalization of the Memory of Lenin. <laughs> like, they interpreted their brief so, so literally. <laughs> in, like, I got a way that we can preserve his memory by actually making sure his body never goes off. And so their approach came to be this melding of... Uh, both the sort of religious iconography of, you know, it, it had been based on this idea that saints in Russian Orthodox Christianity, their bodies uh, never deteriorated at all. Melding that idea with like the latest in technology, and that was everything from, you know, using special embalming fluids to then starting to replace his body increasingly with pieces of actual plastic. Yeah, it's like Trigger's broom, isn't it, Lenin's body? Like (laughs) what you're looking at now, 
even if you buy the official line that it is Lenin and he's been embalmed through all kinds of cutting-edge processes that only the Russians know how to do, despite it looking very much like a waxwork, even (laughs) if you buy that that is him... It's him that's been sort of plasticated and replaced and polished and actually uh, pumped yeah, with glycerin. None of his, I, none of him's left, really. Yeah. You're not looking at 100% Lenin. You right. know, they've used synthetic materials to replace some of the skin that's deteriorated. The eyeballs. I think pretty early on, the eyeballs were replaced with synthetic eyeballs as well. But it's still, you know, it cost 150,000 pounds a year was the was the the figure I could find to in the 1920s. No, 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 to the, up to the present day. Okay, yeah. It's costing still £150,000 a year, and there are five or six scientists who basically work on this full-time. Yeah, yes. It's nicknamed the Lenin Lab, and they also <laughs> advise on the preservation. They've got a bit of a specialty here. Yes. They also advise on the preservation of Ho Chi Minh, Kim Il-sung, and Kim Jong-il. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the 1950s to the 1980s, up to 200 people were employed in the Lenin Lab. Um, although they temporarily lost government funding in the 1990s after the fall of of the Soviet Union, but they survived through that period on private contributions. And the Vietnamese also honoured the tradition of completely ignoring what their great leader wanted. Ho Chi Minh wanted to be cremated, <laughs> yeah. but he's on display. <laughs> so you don't get to choose, apparently. Well, and I can see why you wouldn't want this. because It's not dignified, is it? No. This is the thing that kept hitting me. You know, they're, they're touching up the dark spots. They're like grafting artificial materials over the rotten bits. And once a year, they have to soak the body in a solution of glycerol and potassium acetate. For 30 days, by the way. Yeah. Ooh. For a whole month, he's out in that. Which, which is why... <laughs> solid day. That lack of dignity is why it seems so peculiar that when Joseph of Stalin died in 1953, he wanted for his body to exist next door to Lenin, like, you know, literally just next to him. Uh, And he had himself put in there between 53 until 61, (laughs) even knowing, like, Lenin died and he didn't know what was going to become of his body. He wanted to be, he was like, put me in the ground. But Stalin was like, nope. (laughs) The part that I loved is, during the time that Stalin was there, was renamed Lenin's and Stalin's mostly, like a circus that had a new Just partner. Just off the tongue, yeah. <laughs> Lenin and sons. <laughs> but the political concept of turning Lenin into some sort of mascot to be venerated, which was developed um, behind the scenes in 1922 when he had his first and second stroke, it was the fourth stroke that killed him, did work. Um, we talked about this a bit, a similar analogous situation in our episode about when Chairman Mao rehabilitated his image through wild swimming that was a way of him trying to pardon the pun swim against the tide of being a mascot you know the chinese wanted him to be a mascot he wanted to say no i'm very much still alive thanks look at what i can do i'd like to run the country again (laughs) lenin from the soviet's point of view at this point they knew he was probably going to die soon needed to become a mascot not a leader that you've lost the revolution isn't over We still live through Lenin. Lenin still sort of exists. Yeah, in that interim period between Lenin dying and Stalin emerging, decisions were literally declared in the name of Lenin in this way where followers would recite, Lenin lived, Lenin lives, and Lenin will live. I mean... It's so incongruous with the ideas that Lenin was espousing for his entire life that it's astonishing that it worked. You can see the escalation of the myth-making in the evolution of the mausoleum itself because it's actually had three different faces, if you like. The first one, the one that the architect Alexei Shushev constructed in four days, that was literally just a wooden hut and it had just had 
just had the word Lenin in big letters across the front. I mean, to be fair, it was minus 30 degrees Celsius when he was having this hut built in four days as well. And this is actually the reason that he continued to be associated with the project is that he wasn't necessarily a great architect, but he had this reputation for being Good in the completely cold. ruthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He gets he was, it done. He, he did get it done. He was later accused by detractors of running a creative sweatshop and exploiting all of his assistants, but that probably helped in this situation. So after this one, they then decided that... As you say, after they realised it wasn't just going to be a sort of traditional lying in state and then the body is buried, they decided they needed something more permanent. Mm. And it was this third and final design, the one that you can see today, that has that famous sort of stepped pyramid mm. look to it. And Shushev's original vision was for just a monolith and it was going to be made of black porphyry which is you know a rock with like crushed quartz in it so it's kind of sparkly you might see it on like your kitchen pa- counter i was just going to say yeah. on your on my parents kitchen counter <laughs> yeah. was his original vision for lenin's <laughs> final resting place i mean you can a little bit tell that there have been budget cuts on the way to the final design because because you do have St. Basil's Cathedral on one side and then the massive wall of the Kremlin that this is butted up against. And it just looks like a bit of an afterthought. Have you been, Arian? Yes. And did, did it just look like a waxwork? It, it's, it's really that's hard what to everyone say because, says. My dad yeah. saw it and said it looked like a waxwork. Yeah, it's really hard to say because the light in there is so low. But <laughs> you do very much have the sense that you're looking at something where the lighting has been kept deliberately low. You know, this is yes. like, this is the best <laughs> that we've been able to do to preserve a guy who died really quite a long time ago. Um, don't look too carefully you know hurry along now no no videos in the in the whole place like they make you stop you know and put put your cameras away and was the parade of tourists going through you know i'm sure appropriately somber but were any of them moved it's really hard to tell because you know what is and isn't appropriate once you're in that space yeah. and i i think yeah. you know <laughs> you just like the sort of queen lying in state, it's hard to know whether people are behaving that way because they really have to or because they're feeling it. Well, it's an interesting comparison, isn't it? You do wonder if the queen's body had been put on permanent display, mm. how long would that attract crowds for? I'd say a couple of decades. I'd say longer, though. People go and see, you know, the palace that she lived in. I think people are really fascinated to feel like they've got, you know, they're sharing space with somebody famous. Mm. Would you go and see Queen Victoria in Balm now? I suppose I probably would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, how many times have you looked at, like, stone um, sarcophagi in, you know, Westminster Cathedral and places like that? You know, you go and look at a statue of a dead person on their grave. Like, what if you could go and see the real thing? And actually, probably in this country, they would let you take pictures, wouldn't they? So then we'd have a great influencer for our Instagram feed. I mean, Samuel Samuel <laughs> Pepys managed to kiss a dead queen, so <laughs> maybe they'd let oh, you yeah. really close. <laughs> and so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.